Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to another draft special episode and this time I'm proud and I'm actually super proud because it's once in a blue moon that we have this opportunity to take a former colleague onto the show and uh, David San Luis is more than a former colleague, he's a good friend and one of the best draft gurus there is around the internet. Thank you for joining Thank us, you. David. I'm really glad to be here. Back at your old place in in at Eyes on the Price, uh, you come a long way, and uh, it's great to see you developing and and uh, getting a bigger role as well. How many hours have you spent this last year since the last draft on on this draft? Oh, class? I don't know. I have to calculate this, but probably a thousand. <laughs> I don't, everything I do during the year is preparation for for the draft guide. So. I watch these prospects a lot. I write articles about them, but it's just a giant buildup. And we do this as a team, so I'm not alone in this. But the more I watch, the more I know these prospects, and the easier it is to write about them and talk about them at the end of the year. So a lot. It's a lot of hours, a lot of a lot of nights too. But I'm happy with our results for sure. Yeah, and EP the the EP guide is one of the most sought after and and waited for. Um, guides coming out before the draft and it's a it's an amazing job I, I've already forgotten how many pages it was because I just skimmed through it a little bit interesting list as well and we're going to get to that in about a minute but seriously if you don't subscribe to uh, Elite Prospects and are interested in the draft and, and development be sure to do that because it's it's wealth worth a, a, a investment and also it gives uh, David maybe a bit of a race <laughs> well, thank you for that promotion yeah we try to get better every year we have uh, more volume of articles but we try to get a focus on the draft and drafted prospects too but also the nhl more and more so we do a lot of opinion pieces uh, breakdowns uh, system analysis so we're all about uh, breaking down hockey and that's what we all love actually yeah, I miss a little bit collaborating with you because of the. Uh, I mean, like Me it was too. fun when we, we when we did some of the uh, video draft analysis and uh, our post draft analysis and and incorporating that with what what kind of information we got from coaches and and assistant coaches because I I think those in depth articles were some of the best ones I've been participating in anyway and uh, well. We have to see when we can do that again and, and when EP allows us and Ice on the Price allows us if it goes the other way. Um, first and foremost, though, we're here to talk about the 2023 draft. And, and I mean, uh, looking at it, there's someone named Bedard at the top, so we're just going to skip yeah, him because we know who, she, who Chicago is going to take. But looking at the list, you have Fantilli and Carlson as number two and three. How close were they in, in, in your group? They were very close at the, at the beginning of the year. 
I think I always had Fentili at two because I really, really, really like this prospects. But uh, we had a lot of discussions about two, three, and four for the second overall pick. So that would be Fentili, Carlson, and even Mitchkov. So during the first first part of the year, actually. But then as Fendili improved faster than these other prospects, I think he became our uh, surefire number two overall prospects. And he's just that he's a bit more toolsy than Carlson. That's pretty much a separation. We feel he could improve a bit more than Carlson. Carlson is more a finished product than, than Fendili, but we really like them both. And <laughs> they're both great candidate for that second overall pick, honestly. If uh, you can go either way and have a great prospect there. And with Mitchkov too. How much does it uh, matter with what Carlson did, maybe not in the World Championships, but in the SHL playoffs? Because he was really at a coming out uh, situation where where he sort of exploded into the SHL playoffs, where he and the other youngsters at Erebro, I should say, they, 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 they were leading that team in scoring. Yeah, well, we really like his play throughout the year. I'm not saying that Carlson didn't improve during the year because he did, and I think he still has a lot of development runway ahead of him. It's just that, um, like I said, I think it's more of a what he is now is going to be what he is in the NHL, but doesn't mean that he can become a better version of himself. It's just we think that mentally mm-hmm. can add more new elements to his game. And I think even at the World Championship, uh, Carlson outplayed Fentilly, but even in those reduced roles, um, um, and Fentili acts more as a checker down the, down the lineup. He, he's very good at that. He's very adaptable. He can play multiple roles. He's more of a surefire center too. So the, the separation is very small. And I feel like Carlson did improve. It's just that when we look ahead, maybe Fentili will become the better player. But like I said, mm-hmm. very, very close. The, the, the fourth name is obviously Matvey Mitchkov. Oh, yeah. Um, there is a lot of things surrounding Matvey. And and let's be honest about it. Uh, first and foremost, the contract situation. Then the fact that the NHL KHL agreement doesn't exist, so there's no way really to talk about him. Except, which might have been left out in in some instances, that David Bachner is a Canadian and a assistant coach for SKA. So you would assume that there will be some ways to talk about him, and he will have to learn a little bit. Could learn a little bit of English before coming over. But the question really is. Is KHL a development yeah, league? Yeah, that's a, it's always a question too. You're right. Like it's not only about um, the contract situation. It's the fact that he's going to be in Russia for the next uh, few years, and maybe he's going to learn to play a type of game that won't translate as well to the NHL. Although we've seen other prospects who've spent elite prospects who've, who've spent a few years in the KHL translate their skills to the NHL. Like it's it's. it's Maybe the second best league in the world, and it's a great competition. So he's going to improve for sure. But is he going to develop the the, the habits he needs to make a smooth transition? We don't know. And it's the same question with uh, other Russian prospects. It's just that it's not just that they they are going they're going to stay in Russia. It's that will they get the play time and the roles they need the, the puck touches to really build on their game. So there are other questions on that side too. I've said that maybe talent-wise, that fan talent to, to bring the fans in the stands is probably Mitchkov's. Mitchkov might be the best one in, in, in the whole draft with that. But the question is, can he achieve that? Does it translate in? I, I can see him in some ways become the superstar like uh, Alex Ovechkin, but I can also see him drop quite a few places in the draft 
What do you think? What What is your opinion on that? I don't know where it's going to drop. I, I, it's, a, it's a weird prospect because I feel like in terms of pure skill level, there are better prospects in this draft. Like in terms of even handling skills, shooting, uh, uh, passing skills, they're, they're, I can name better prospects that, that I know. It's just that it's the whole package, how it works together. And he's a, he has a weird style because he's five foot ten, five foot eleven, but he's very aggressive too. So he runs the net a bit like Brendan Gallagher. Even he has that dimension to his game, but he's also a great playmaker after rush. He slows down the play like Panarin or Kucherov. So he has those many facets, but I'd say nothing is actually elite it's just that there are so many of them and he can score in so many different ways that he's going to find ways to score in the nhl and he's always going to find ways to be defenders too so it really is diversity uh, is versatility and the the fact that his skills even if they're not so elite they're high-end so many high-end skills is always very very good uh, you you mentioned that uh, goal scoring touch and i was I, I can be honest uh, when he did his senior national team debut against Sweden, uh, I was standing next to Trevor Timmons and I showed him a uh, Michigan goal or a lacrosse goal that Mitchkov scored and arguably one of the best goalkeepers outside NHL at that point. Fantastic performance. And, and, and you, you were like, you were really thinking and you saw some of the other scouts coming over to look at my computer. And, and he ha- you, you mentioned he can score in so many ways and to do that on an international level in your senior debut is more or less unheard of and and i think that is the enticing factor that he will find those weird things to do with the puck yeah i think he's my favorite prospect in this draft looking back looking back because he's so fun to watch because you never know exactly what to expect uh, his play style is a bit immature right now. He looks more like a junior player in certain mm-hmm. certain ways because he, he cheats all the time and uh, he forces plays all the time. But that's just the mark of creative players who want to create something with every puck touch. So it's an issue right now, but we project that like a few years down the road. I think he's going to iron out those parts of his game. His decision-making is going to improve. And uh, like you said, he has those Michigan goals. He can score from behind the net. He can score by using teammates. So I feel like he's going to feel the highlight trails, uh, but not maybe by dangling to everyone, just by building scoring chances with his hockey sense. That's really his best characteristic. Yeah, indeed. You guys, though, and, and this is interesting from the eyes on the price and, and Habs fans perspective, you guys got Benson at number five, yes. Leonard at number six, and Smith at number seven, uh, which is sort of the conundrum picking at five because you got those four sort of solid prospects that most of us will think, especially since Mitchkov is coming to the draft, will go top four. Yeah. Uh, in terms of our ranking, we feel pretty certain that Mitchkov belongs at four. We feel pretty certain that Benson is the fifth best, fifth best prospect in the draft. Leonard and Smith. Uh, it was a big debate all year. Honestly, uh, we weren't sure uh, who was going to rank ahead, um, and I think it's still a debate because we don't all agree about this. But in the end, we had to make a call, and we chose a prospect that we loved the most out of the US NTDP to rank at six. Indeed, and and what is the qualities? And if let's say we follow elite prospects. 
uh, ranking for, for Montreal, picking Benson at number five. Why is the reason you have him at number five? What can fans expect if they get Benson? Well, the way we rank is that we rank by upside. That's our first factor, our first thing that goes into our ranking formula. We also rank by chance of reaching their upside. So we value certainty as a second factor. And then we value uh, the, the number of dimensions that a prospect has. And in terms of those three things, <laughs> when, you've, uh, when we add them to the formula, Benson just came out ahead all the time. Because he has that top line upside, he we feel he's going to get there because he has that kind of hardworking mentality, and nothing is going to stop him. And he has so many different dimensions in this game. Like he's one of the best playmakers in the draft, maybe the best playmaker in the CHL sometimes, except for for sure Bedar. Um, and he had great tracking the data too. He can play two way, he can play defensively. He's better than Will Smith on, on the boards too, despite being smaller. Like he, he can leverage his smaller center of gravity and go inside on defenders, steal the puck, and can create offense from the walls too. So there's so many dimensions to this game. So even if he's smaller and his skating ranks more as average, we feel that he, like Mitchkov, is going to find ways to impact the game to score. And more than Mitchkov, he's going to find ways to impact the game in the defensive end too. So it's going to be hard to stop. Every night it's going to make an impact one way or the other. I mean, like, let, let's be honest. You, you mentioned Mitchkov, you mentioned uh, Benson, and, and to a certain degree, Leonard as well. Um, the short players, Montreal, team of Smurfs. Yeah, that's an issue, maybe. We don't feel it should be an issue, but I, I get that you have to factor in team building when making a, such a high pick. Uh, is it really a problem if you have two shorter players on two different lines? I don't know, but teams always look to uh, the playoff success of other teams before them. So the cup winners, they didn't have many five foot nine players in their top six at the top of the lineup. So Maybe the Habs won't want to go that way. We feel they should go that way, though. But even if they don't choose to Benson, they are going to have a great player. If it's Leonard, if it's Smith, if it's Reinbacker, I think you can argue, argue that any one of those players could become the best player out of that range. At, at fifth overall, I mean, like we don't, we aren't sure that's going to be Benson. We think it is, but it's all uh, thinking in probabilities. So. We rank the player we think we has a higher chance of success, who has the most upside there, but there are other names too that would feel that would fit very well in the team and that have a lot of upside too. Okay. Um you, you mentioned him and, and uh, so let's let the cat out of the bag. What do you see with David Reinbach? They're good with the bad. I like him more. <laughs> There's a lot of good, a lot, a lot more good than bad. I think okay, we can start yeah, with yeah. the bad and get it out of the way. Um in terms of coordination and handling skills, it could improve. That part of his game, like I think the biggest limiter of his offense right now, it's that he lacks a bit of that technical ability. I think the reads are better than his execution sometimes. Like he has some ideas, but he can't always pull them off because coordinating uh, his hands and feet like precisely, finer mechanical skills, he doesn't fully have them, but he can develop that. We've seen other players improve their handling. It's easier to improve than skating ability for example, and he has those activation ideas. So right now, I think uh, everyone has the right picture of Rainbacker. He's more of a defensive defenseman with um, puck moving ability. So that, those are his two main attributes. He can defend a rush well. He's very good engager in the defensive zone. So one-on-one -on -one with attackers, he can pin them to the wall, steal the puck and defend the net. He's pretty good with his, with his reads too. 
and he's good at, at breakouts more and more during the year uh, his puck moving game improved he made more controlled breakouts and all of this what's missing is really the offensive zone play the playmaking but he has those instincts about activating uh, knowing when to jump from the blue line attack box like a space to get the puck he has those kind of reads they're not high end but they're there so if he improves his handling ability he's going to be able to get the puck and make the next play and it's possible like it's not unrealistic to think that it could happen so we feel that he has a high floor he's very safe and there's upside there because he played in the professional league which probably he limited his plays not to cause mistakes and if he gets the right development team around him he could improve his technical skills and become a two-way defenseman like a much better offensive driver you mentioned um, his his offensive skills and He's played in Clotten or Natural Liga Division A, so it's NLA, but in Switzerland. Um, they have used him on the power play to a certain degree. And and is that, you think, a way to help his offensive attributes shine and, and develop? Or or is there something that we have missed that that we don't see? Yeah, the, the more I, I complained earlier about Michka's experimentation and all of this, but the more a player experiments the more you try stuff the easier that's always going to improve like players have to try plays to figure out the limit of their skills and push those limits so employing him on the power play that's a good way to and uh, get him more buck touches inside space and improve his reads his vision his playmaking so the more opportunities you will get the better it will be for his development do you think it's it's worth taking ryan backhart number five i think it's a bit early but i don't see it as a bad pick necessarily it's just a boring one. <laughs> That's the issue. You won't get the excitement <laughs> factor, but uh, think uh, Gouli, but slightly. He's better than, okay, in his draft year, Gouli was a better skater. That, that was the main difference. Rainbacker is an above average skater in terms of projection too. He has more details to his game than Gouli had, and there are more offensive showings. Like he's more aggressive and confident in his offensive game than Gouli was. So we could see the offensive development. That those are good signs. But I think the comparison here, it fits. You could have Gouli on the right side with a bit more offense. So it's a very effective player. And even if he just becomes a number three defenseman, it's still worth it to take him at five in most drafts. Here, I would still take the forwards ahead of him. We rank Rambacher at nine, but he's in that conversation. It's not like bad to pick him at five. It's just like not as exciting. But it's worth it to have a number three defenseman at five. And he has top line upside too. Let's be honest. Uh, first and foremost, there was uh, someone named Morris Sider that wasn't a very sexy pick either. At, at, at uh, yeah. was it eight he went and and a little bit similar in the regards to a Central European league that doesn't really develop a lot of prospects, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Are, are are we more open to Reinbacher because of, of of Sider maybe that you know smaller countries and then I'm using smaller with quotation yeah. mark now because of Sider. And, and, and are more open to Reinbacher at five. Yeah, I think he opened up the way for Reinbacher. If we didn't have Cider, I think some people would, wouldn't consider him as high. And I'm part of that category too, because I had Cider lower in his draft here. I wasn't doing this as seriously before in 2019. No, I, I remember there was some there was some other guy that you usually speak with that had his Cider a little bit higher. Uh, maybe. I don't exactly. Not for whom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had him higher. Yeah, I had him higher than you. <laughs> I think I had him at 16 or 18, so you probably... I think I had him at 10. Well, that, that's good. That's good. So, 
but yeah. But that was still wrong. But if but if a team likes a player, they take him. And 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 that's what we learned from Cider as well. And I think that is the conversation that that opens the conversation for for Reinbach. Yeah, and I think what Cider showed is that as long as you have uh, good enough tools and you're willing to learn and you're willing to be aggressive in your style of play, you can become a pretty good defenseman. And I think Cider had better tools in his draft year than Reinbacher, a, a better skater. He was a taller or more physical. His handling skills were a bit better, but uh, the, the comparison still fits. Like there's there are the same ingredients in the recipe here. So maybe if if, if the Habs are lucky and they draft Reinbacher at at five overall, he could follow a similar development and become that top line defender because there are like you said there are a lot of similarities there and i made a video comparing those two on elite prospects channel if you want to check it out the best way of not missing any of david's uh stuff is to is to follow him on twitter and i'm sure you have more followers than me now david so so be sure to to do that really there there is when, when i have a question about a prospect david is the one i go to first and then I might ask other other people after. We're going to move on to, to another segment, though. We're just going to listen to some of our sponsors. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two now streaming only on Disney Plus. And we're back, and David, uh, looking to the draft, and and you already mentioned Mitch Kov as one of your favorite prospects in the draft. Can you give us maybe another couple of prospects that you that you like that aren't in the top ten? Yeah, and I think they could be available at Montreal's other pick in the first round, be it 31 or 32. And they are Quentin Musty and Grayson Sachin. Uh, two players that we don't understand why we are the only ones having high, because honestly, they, they, they are usually the type of players that NHL scouts really like. But for some reason, they, they stick between 20 and like, in a case of Musty and Sachin is more often projected to be a second rounder. And some people have him way, way, way more. But he, he's, he's a high end talent in this draft. And I can assure you that. Um, Musty is a, he's six foot two. So he's bigger. He has high end handling skills. He has the vision and he can score too as one of the better shots in the draft. And he got better and better during the year. Like he really progressed. His defensive game got better. It's still a weakness, but it got better. And in his decision making too. So we think he has pretty much everything except the skating. It's more average than than for some other prospects, but it's a really high-end package that you could get at the end of the first round. Sachin, he played uh, down the lineup of a very good uh, Seattle Thunderbirds uh, team. So he didn't get as many opportunities as others. His game didn't flash as much. He's also super great handler he can dangle players he has the vision too and he's very hard working so he goes to the net he back checks he has all the elements you need the skating is also average not below average but like projection as average those are the two favorite players we have between 10 and 20 right now that i feel could be available at 31 and and uh, what do you any other players before I'm going to stuck you on, I'm totally going to blindside you because I didn't prepare you for this after. But, but any other players that you want to highlight for, for later rounds? 
yeah. Montreal has to pick at 37 as an example. There is Andrew Crystal. I think he could be available there. <laughs> it seems likely even after his U18s, which wasn't great. Uh, the issue with Crystal, I think you probably know him by now, is he's smaller, skating is average. Uh, his compete, like NHL scouts say, isn't that high either. So he's, he's a chess player on the ice, purely. So he's going to slow down the attacks. He slows down the game, manipulates defenders, uses his teammates, uses give and goes. He he makes a ton of passing plays like this, and he builds scoring chances. So it's really not an NHL style of scoring, but in hockey sense, it's high end, like very very high, and the handling skills too. So he could turn into something very good, like a half wall playmaker, power play one on the uh, in the in the NHL uh, top line driver too. With his weakness, the weakness are. Weaknesses are always going to be there. They're going to fall into the NHL, but hockey sense is so high and the handling skills are so good and the playmaking too that is worth a bet around that range. And it's very possible that he's available. There. And I have another one, if you give me time. Oscar Fisker Mulgard, if I pronounce that right. Um, he's Of course he did. We're both Norwegians, so we're going to go with it for Danish. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, is it? I wrote an article on him. I should know this. Uh, is the complete opposite of um, Crystal. So he's a very hardworking center uh, who is probably going to stay down the middle. He his speed is above average. He has some physical skills. Um, he he okay. He was born in, in the, was born in Denmark and he played most of his minor hockey there. So he just joined uh, Sweden's system in 2021. So he didn't play high-level hockey for a while. And because of this, I think there's more development runway for him than other prospects. So he he figured out those Swedish leagues quite fast. He played in the G20, he scored quite a, quite a lot. And then he moved on to the SHL and he was very effective this season uh, in the SHL, despite his age, like playing a lot of minutes, uh, being able to shut down opposing players. So... Right now, his defense and two-way play shine more, shine more in in the uh, in the SHL. But he has offense too. We see flashes of vision, handling skills. He goes to the net. So there's a bit of everything. Tools are above average, and we think there there's more ahead of him because he's he's pretty new to all of this uh, <laughs> competitive hockey. Yeah, and HOE 71 is is a good team to develop in as well. They fell out of the SHL. Played a year in hockey, also and got back, and and it's it it's a solid team. They they will never sacrifice anything economically because it's one of the best run teams in in Sweden. Uh, so I, I would assume that he will get the chances to build on his SHL performance as well. Um, David, one thing that that is sort of forgotten, unless there is a, some some amazing talent somewhere, is goalies, and I know you think they are Vodo. So, so it's not that. But is there a goalie? Because Canadian system, there's been some goalies being let go from, from the system. We're not sure about who's going to be the number one down the line. Is there a goalie in this draft? Do you think the Montreal Canadiens should draft? Asking me about goalies, that's hard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I, I, I get to sound really good for once. <laughs> we have two in our top 64. Like, at Elite Prospects, the way we operate is that we're a team of skater evaluators, and we have um, someone, Greg, who, who does our goalie scouting for us. He gives us range to put them on our board. He gives us upside, and then figure out how to make the board afterward. He has uh, Trey Augustine um, in the middle as a middle second rounder, and Michael 
Harbaugh, <laughs> sorry, we placed him at 50, at 40, at 54. So these are the two main goalies in the draft, we feel, as a team, but mostly Greg. Um, I, I, he's not sure that he, they have starter potential, but they're the two most likely candidates to earn that role down, down the line. So that pretty much only thing, that's pretty much the only thing I can tell you about them. <laughs> uh, with I, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but Montreal has five picks in the first three rounds, if I remember correctly. And uh, would you, you? I mean, like you as an evaluator, and I know you hate goalies, but you also hate prospects sometimes, so it's fine. Uh, but when uh, would you sacrifice one of those top, uh, one of those five picks on a goalie? Maybe I should phrase it that way. Yeah, I, I think it's worth it, especially that these two. Like if you have that many picks, you can pick four skaters and one goalie, maybe. <laughs> if I was in charge of the draft, maybe I, I wouldn't use them on, on goalies because they're so volatile and maybe I would try to draft them a bit lower in the draft, especially because we feel that there is no clear starter in this one. But I know other scouts who think the, the two goalies I name and others have starter potential. So um, like I said, we're not. I'm not the best person to talk about this. So uh it would depend on how the Habs evaluate those two goalies and what they think their their value is i'm in in sweden there's obviously discussions about you know leo carlson and axel sundin pelica which we haven't really discussed and and i'm gonna leave that one as well but there's also otto Stenberg, and and the discussion in sweden has really been will nhl teams use him in 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 their development to become a center, or would you move him to the wing? And and for me, with the limited scouting experience that I have uh, compared to you, uh, I would probably put him on the wing. But but what what are your thoughts with how you have followed Otto Stenberg throughout the season? He's one of the uh, prospects I watched live at the World Juniors Under 19, Junior A. I watched him there, and I wasn't all that impressed by him in the first part uh, of the season. But then he started picking it up internationally in the second part of the year. I have my concerns about Otto Stenberg, but uh, in, in the second round, I think he's a good pick to make in general. I'm not sure he's a center long-term, although uh, I like his defensive game more and more as the year progress. Like, I think he gave more of an effort on the back check. Like, uh, I'm not sure the reads are fully there, but as long as the effort is there, it's not often enough for a prospect to develop their system play and become better defensively down the line. And he showed a lot more skill as the season progressed. And he had that space inside the Swedish international team to really make plays because there were no big playmakers necessarily, especially at the U18s beside him, um, especially because Dara Nilsson, another, pro another prospect that I like, didn't show up as much. Um, so he has some red flags in, in that he looks more like an European scorer than an NHL one right now. But he, he improved his game fast during the year. I think he's more of a winger, but a good target in the second round or that first, that second first round pick the Habs have. Yeah, or, or 38 first or 32nd. Yeah. It's going to be like, it's, it's like picking in the second round already. David, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Uh, just let me know when you want to do another podcast because I know you're one of the people that people ask, like our listeners list, uh, ask for the most. Uh, your insights are so good and so valued of the Montreal Canadiens community. Again, thank you. 
it was my flavor. I, I always like doing this. I do them more throughout the end of the, the year when I know these prospects better, but uh, I always enjoy it. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.